Greetings to all my cool cats and cool kittens. They try to copy our style, but they stay frostbitten. You are now tuned to the sounds of MaximumFM.ca. It is your man, DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. What we doing? You can catch me on your TV, even on the radio. Pop up at our blog spot, and on my way go. We invading airwaves. Yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. <clears throat> Pardon me. Once again, it is your man, DM Cool, and this is Cool Radio. I got a great show for you guys lined up for you tonight. Um, I will be doing things on the solo dolo tip for the evening, but not to worry. I do have some content that will get you guys thinking, get you guys conversing with your fellow friends and workmates and what have you. So we got to talk about... Russell Simmons being accused of sexual misconduct. He is one of many celebrities, many celebrities within like their mid, within their like the middle age range, actually, I would say, uh, who's been accused of sexual misconduct. So we're going to get into that. Uh, we're also going to get into uh, CNN correspondent Angela Rye receiving death threats ever since uh, she made her relationship with Common Public. And then we also got to get into Post Malone uh, about some comments that he made about not listening to hip hop and how he kind of got some backlash for that. So we're going to get into all that later on within the Trip Talk segment. But before we get into that, I got some stuff to get off my chest, man. So with that said, it is time to let that ish breathe. Now, normally I would have some drops to drop on you guys, but we're having some technical difficulties right now. So I appreciate the patience. Bear with me for a second, if you will. All right. <laughs> now, let's talk about this. So. Last week, um, I announced, well, I didn't announce, but last week I discussed on my show alongside Top Boy, Mr. K-Way of, of WNTT Podcast, that Little Peep had passed away. Uh, for those of you who are, for those of you who are not familiar with the, with the work of Little Peep, uh, he was a recording artist. Uh, he was pretty known throughout the, I guess, the underground hip hop community, and like he had a bit of a buzz happening, uh, but basically he died due to a drug overdose. And uh, this week it was announced that his latest release uh, went to the uh, top of the Billboard charts, basically. Now, I'm bringing this up because hip-hop and I would say pop culture in general when it comes to its music, they have this thing where they, they almost value somebody more when they're gone. For example, he just topped the charts on the Billboard Top 200. And that is a feat that he had yet been able to do. Maybe he was on his way to that. We don't know. We don't know. That's the great unknown right now. But as far as I'm concerned, he had never done it. Now that he's dead and the buzz about his death is, is going around and what have you, now people want to go out and support. And to me, that's a backwards mentality to have. Now, I'm not going to be the one to say, oh, I would have bought his album if he were still alive because I hadn't, I hadn't heard about him until he had died. But just because he's he's now deceased doesn't mean that we should now go out in droves and buy his music just because he has passed away. We should listen to this person's music because it means something. So if it doesn't mean anything to you, you just want to hop on a wave and say, hey, I got this man's album, you know, a couple of days after he died, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And I'm not saying that people should shouldn't regard him as one of the greatest ever like we don't know because he's too young he's way too young not only in age but in his career so we'll never know if he was ever going to reach that that echelon but i always feel like when it comes to hip-hop in particular we always want to rate artists 
at a certain at a certain platform. For example, I've been in so many debates with people who have said that Big L is the top one of the top ten greatest MCs of all time, and I vehemently disagree with that. And it has nothing to do with with this level of talent. It just has to do with this discography. He only put out one album during his lifetime. So how is that enough for me to say he's the greatest ever just because of his talent? Talent alone, if you want to put him in the top 10, yeah, sure, he's kind of up there uh, in terms of talent level. But then even that, that becomes a bit more relative than the whole greatest of all time debate when we look at it through an overall larger compass. Because not only are we talking about talent, we're talking about album sales, which, which go into how much of a reach you had. It goes into how much of an influence you had. You know, after your album came out, did you have any classic albums within your discography, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? So, like, I feel like when it comes to an artist like like a Big L, for example, who only put out one album during his lifetime, it's a bit unfair of a crux to use uh, when we're talking about the greatest of all time. Same thing goes to Big Pun. Now, Big Pun did a lot for his uh, did a lot for the Latin community within hip hop. He was the first Latin rapper to go platinum. Before that, it hadn't been done before. And this is a guy who comes from the Bronx. The Bronx is the birthplace of hip hop, and it's also three quarters of the population of the Bronx borough. So that's a huge accomplishment for somebody like a Big Pun, basically. So I get the a- admiration that he gets because he's also a phenomenal talent in his own right as well. But to say or to put him in a top 10 greatest MCs of all time when he only put out maybe what one or two albums during his lifetime again I can't do it like there's not enough work to be to be laid out but does he have a greater chance of being put into a top 10 list than Big L does I would say he does because he actually did go platinum therefore he had a bit of a larger reach and also he tapped into a community that hadn't really been looked at on a larger scale before which is the Latin community so I kind of give him the edge over over Big L in that regard if we're talking about reach and what have you but again because those careers were cut short it's hard for me to place him in the top 10 and you can even go to like let's say maybe even uh, Biggie Smalls as well. I mean, that's a bit more debatable because in such a short amount of time, he did so much for not only the entire region of rap, but also hip-hop as a whole as well. Ready to Die was an instant classic the minute it came out. He brought the East Coast back into relevance as far as commercialability is concerned because outside of Biggie, the only other artists who were moving units were probably maybe the Wu-Tang Clan, but at the same time, their sound wasn't commercial. It was far from commercial. So he was only one of the few artists within the east coast who had credibility that was able to get radio play so that that in and of itself is was huge the influence that he had across new york the influence that he had, had he had all across the entire entire country basically and of course the whole east coast west coast thing and that's not something that you want to put on your resume but at the same time he was one of the focal points of that and then his star power was so huge he was able to boost the careers of a little Kim and also put on his own people with the junior mafia as well so he did so much within that short time span which i think he's probably the outlier in this whole you know which artist is the greatest or should should be in the top 10 when it comes to deceased artists he's probably the outlier because he did so much in such a short time which is almost unfathomable but going back to little peep though um i would say just for artists who are in his scenario where they where their life got cut short tragically i think and I'm sure he had a core following that that loved his music. But for the casual fan, don't just go out and buy his album just so you can be part of a wave, basically. Just 
support the dude because you have a genuine interest in his music. Me, I never had a genuine interest in his music because I had never heard of him up until this point, basically. And based on the content that he rapped about, I probably wouldn't be listening to him long term anyway. And that's not to slight him or anything of the sort, but that's just me saying that I'm not somebody who's going to jump on the wave just because something significant happened. But to the fans who do support him, you know, keep on supporting the guy if that is your man. And, you know, may he rest in peace and what have you. But overall, just to bring this portion of the show to a close, you know, don't value somebody until they're don't value somebody once they're gone. Value somebody while they're still here on this earth doing what they do. And then when their time comes, then still continue to uphold that value, basically. But don't just jump on a wave and say, oh, I was listening to him when this happened. No. Just be genuine about it, because I'm sure people can tell when somebody's being genuine and when someone's being fraudulent. But what do you guys think? Do you guys believe that artists, you know, who meet their untimely demise should be placed in a top 10 category of an all-time greatest list? Or should we give it more time to massage? Or should they never even be part of the conversation to begin with? What are your thoughts? Let me know your thoughts. Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio and let me know. After the break, man, we got to get into our main topic, which has to do with LeVar Ball and his little war of words with Donald Trump. And we're going to dissect all of that, all of that. But before we get to that, we got some music to play. So keep it locked. This is Cool Radio, and we'll be right back after these messages. Yep. Yeah, I got to love those jazzy sounds. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Once again, it is your man, DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. Just sitting here, just trying to master my mic right now. Got a mind of its own. But no less, we are back. Now, let's get into this discussion about LeVar Ball. Now, me personally, I don't like to talk about him very often because... All he does is attract clickbait, basically. Hell, he is the walking definition of clickbait. He'll do or say something outrageous that he knows is going to get the people talking no matter what he does or what he says. And the major media outlets just eat out of the palm of his hands because they know know it's going to create a major buzzworthy headline. And at the same time, you have their own pundits saying, well, why are we talking about ball? And oddly enough, I'm doing it, but I just want to do it just to raise a question to everybody and just create some dialogue and what have you, some educational dialogue, basically, not repetitive dialogue because it's a slow news day or anything, but dialogue that will actually get people talking and exchanging ideas with one another. Not trying to take shots at anybody. I'm just saying for the sake of saying it. But nonetheless, I digress. Let's get into the main topic at hand. So as we all know, uh, LeVar Ball, LeVar Ball's son, his middle son, LeAngelo Ball, him and two of his uh, teammates at UCLA were caught shoplifting at some high-end stores, basically, in China while they're doing their, I guess, their Asian tour or whatever the case may be. So they're apprehended and basically shoplifting or just a lot of laws in China are very, are very strict. So something like shoplifting, for example, especially at a high-end store, could get you in jail for a minimum of three years and they're looking at a maximum of 10 years. So... Apparently, Donald Trump was already in China uh, speaking to the president of China about, I guess, foreign affairs or whatever the case may be. And he caught wind of this news and he allegedly uh, convinced the president of China to let the boys go. So basically, all in all, as we all know, they were only um, they were only given, uh, I think it was a 20 day house arrest within the hotel. And then they were free to go once their hotel arrest was completed. So the boys uh, the ones who were apprehended, including Leangelo Ball, uh, said thank you to Donald Trump <clears throat> on their on their Twitter timelines, what have you. And then Donald Trump, you know, 
puffed up his chest or whatever and tried to give them the the, the, the dad lecture and what have you. And I can't remember what he said in his tweet, but it's irrelevant at this point. So they did the right thing, you know, just out of courtesy and thanked them, thanked him for it. Because had it not been for him, then who would have had that much clout to get them, you know, released, basically? You know, maybe some people at UCLA, some of the higher-ups could have said a word or two, but that is the president of the United States, the leader of the free world. So who has more power than him on that side of the hemisphere, right? Not very not very many people. Now, LeVar Ball doesn't seem to think so, regardless of whether it's Trump or if it's Obama or whatever the case may be. Because Trump was very – or sorry, LeVar Ball, rather, was very defiant and saying thank you to LeVar Ball or just the idea of saying thank you. So he basically said, why should I have to thank him? What did he do? I don't know what he did. And it wasn't in those words, mind you. I'm paraphrasing, of course. And so basically, Donald Trump caught wind of this and said, basically said that he's ungrateful and that he should have let his boys rot in jail. Well, he wasn't in jail, basically. They were just in house arrest for the time being. And then that's when you allegedly, you know, swooped in and said, hey, let these kids go. And I'm not I'm not disputing that because who else would have had that much clout, like I just said, to get these guys out. Right. But nonetheless, you know, Trump felt disrespected. And I don't normally agree with Trump. I'm not saying I agree with Trump, but I understand at least half of where he's coming from. I understand the first half of him saying, hey, I should, I deserve some thanks. You know, I played my role, you know. But the other half, I don't agree with him saying, oh, I should let your boys rot in jail. That there, There's your racist colors coming out again. So just on the courtesy aspect of saying thank you, I understand. You know what I mean? So I think – and I think that's where LeVar Ball messed up. Now, here's the kicker right here. This guy was doing an interview with CNN um, with – I can't remember who the name of the host was, but he was filling in uh, for Don Lemon. And that would have been an interesting exchange between those two. Now, here's a tactic that LeVar Ball does very often, which is very annoying, which is why I don't understand why a lot of media pundits choose – or maybe not even the pundits, but maybe the uh, the, the network themselves choose to have this guy on the show. He runs around in circles. He doesn't answer a question directly. And as an interviewer, like if I had him on my show, I'd be very annoyed by it. I'd be like, what the hell just happened? Like normally when somebody asks him a question – He'll try to answer the question with the question as if it's Yoda performing a Jedi mind trick or something like that. It's very annoying. And then he'll add in other factors of that general topic to kind of swerve the interviewer away from the main topic of discussion, which isn't right because at the end of the day, you were brought onto the show to answer some questions directly, which you couldn't even do. Like, and then he went on to say that, you know, he doesn't know what Trump did, yada, yada, yada. But then he also wanted to say that him and his team were working on some things to get the boys out. But at the end of the day, while you guys were working on certain things to get your boys out, Trump actually got your boys out. Again, I'm not trying to stick up for Trump. But if not Trump, then who else would have had the power and the clout and the magnitude or the social magnitude, I should say, to convince the president of China to let the boys go? Maybe some guys at UCLA are connected to some higher power or authority that we don't know of. But beyond that speculation, we have to assume that Trump had the majority of the leverage to get these guys out of, quote-unquote, Chinese house arrest. So at least in that respect, and it doesn't have to be a public thank you. It doesn't have to be. 
You know, if you are able to, if you are somehow able to get in touch, touch with Donald Trump, or if you want to send him an email or whatever the case may be, say thank you, then sure, do that. But don't say, oh, what did, what did, what did he do for him? Like, why does he want to thank you so bad? And I get it. Like, Trump is an egomaniac, and he wants people to love him and fear him and adore him all at the same time. But in the courtesy, just for the sake of common courtesy, is it really that hard to say thank you, Donald Trump? You don't even have to say President Trump. You, you can just say thank you, Donald, if you want to, you know, add in a little bit of pettiness, you know, by not referring to him as president. Or you can just say Mr. Trump and just keep it, you know, just very standard in that regard. But nonetheless... Trump does deserve a little bit of credit, not praise, just credit. You know, if you contributed to something, you deserve credit. For all the people who made a, a huge movie, a, a, a successful hit, they're all in the credits. From the people who are bringing in donuts to the people who actually directed the film. And I'm just saying, for LeVar Ball, you know, marketing himself as this larger-than-life public figure, so to speak, would it be that hard for him to say, hey, thank you? I don't think it would be. I don't think it would be. But his ego won't allow him to do so. And I think that's going to be a detriment to him. So I'm not saying he should grovel at his feet and be like, oh, all hail Donald Trump, the exalted one. I kneel before you. No, just say, hey, Trump, thanks for getting my boys out. That's it. That's it. That's really it. But no, what does this guy want to do? He wants to stir the hornet's nest. And he does this all the time. And I don't understand why all these networks, they, they, they fall for it. They fall for it. Like on one end, I guess the network exec executives want to get, you know, some ratings up because it's a slow news week. But on the other hand, on the other end, you have these media pundits who are always like, oh, Donald, or sorry, uh, uh, what's his name? LeVar Ball, he's always talking so much trash all the time. I don't like his attitude. He's so disrespectful. He's so cocky. Uh, like, you, this has been him for God knows how long. I'm sure he's always been like this before the fame and everything. But ever since you guys started putting cameras on him, you knew that this is what you're going to get with him. So why are you so surprised? Or why does it come off as if you're surprised that he's being so disrespectful in your eyes? This should be no surprise at all. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. And if you guys don't like talking about him, then I don't know. Talk to the producers of each show that you have and say, hey. Isn't there anything else that we can talk about besides LeVar Ball? And I'm kind of swerving into another topic with this right now because I feel like it's important to say this. A lot of, the, a lot of these major networks that have a lot of these popular shows that, that are on television now and that are popular on the internet, when it comes to, and I'm talking about sports shows specifically, when it comes to their basketball content, it's always revolving around either how the Cavaliers are struggling, or just the Cavaliers in general, anywhere LeBron James is at, that's what they're talking about. Or they're talking about the Ball family, whether it be Lonzo or LeVar, whatever the case may be. The, the rare time they may talk about how impressive of a rookie Ben Simmons is or how amazing of a winning streak that the Boston Celtics were on despite the injury of Gordon Hayward and how Kyrie is coming into his own as a leader. But... If they're not talking about that, which they rarely do, it's always about LeBron and his trials and tribulations right now in Cleveland or the Ball family. Not even about the Lakers, and I don't want them to talk about the Lakers because they're a struggling team right now, but they're always talking about Lonzo and his stats and how he's struggling right now, and is he a bust? Should we be worried about is he a bust? Why does his shot look so broken? He's a rookie. He is a freaking rookie. 
Right, last I checked, and I could be wrong, but the Mets averaging like ten pounds or sorry, ten points, eight rebounds, and eight assists per game for a rookie. That's a pretty solid stat line for somebody who's never played professional basketball in their life, other than um, uh, what's it called, uh, summer league, which the competition level is completely different. That's a pretty good stat line. So I don't know why these these people keep on harping on the same storylines over and over again. I actually want to know what their ratings are like during those segment blocks. Like, do they dip drastically whenever they run out of topics to discuss that don't revolve around the Ball family or the, or LeBron James' struggles? I really want to know. And I'm talking about the major shows. I'm sure you guys know what shows I'm talking about. Um, I just want to know. I really want to know because it's coming to a point where myself personally, I'm bored. Like if I want if I want quality basketball content to like listen to or watch, I don't go to those, cer- those certain shows anymore because I already know what they're going to be about. It's going to be the struggles of LeBron or the struggles of Lonzo Ball or just LeVar Ball in general, who's not even in the NBA. He's had no affiliation of being in the NBA outside of his son being drafted to a team, and he seems like to be the biggest star in Tinseltown right now. Never mind his struggles. It's always about LeVar Ball, big baller brand, Triple B's, baby. Like... We get it. We get it already. Like, move on to something else. Come on. Like, you have to trust in your audience and know that they want to watch or listen about something else that doesn't have to do with the Ball family. Like, they have their own platform on social media. If you want the latest in what's happening with them, go to social media. Why, as viewers, do we have to be subjected to that? Me, I stopped watching these shows anytime. Well, mind you, I'm in Canada, so they don't show like the full program. But if I'm watching on YouTube, for example, and I see the headline is LeVar Ball or Alonzo Ball, I, I don't care. I don't care anymore. I try to look for other outlets to listen to. And it's just, I'm just tired of it. I'm just tired of it. I'm just tired of the oversaturation of this ball figure. And to me now, now more than ever, they feel like the Kardashians of basketball, basically. Because everywhere we go, you know, as basketball viewers and, and, you know, content observers or what have you, it's always about the Ball family. I don't hate the Ball family. I don't hate Lonzo, LiAngelo, or LaMelo. I don't hate any of them. I don't hate the, the – I don't hate their family. I don't hate the family. I just hate the fact that – I don't even hate LeVar, to be honest. He's annoying, but I don't hate him. I just hate the fact that even after all this time, like ever since March Madness tournament where – the family name kept on being brought upon week after week after week that these guys haven't caught on by now. Or maybe they have, or, or they're just being very negligent about it. And it's just really, really annoying. Like, find something else to talk about. Like, he's not the only piece of newsworthy news that's happening within the NBA right now. you got to talk about something else, especially when he himself is not even a professional basketball player. That's all I'm asking for. So, news outlets, media outlets in general, whether it's sports or general, Find something else to talk about. Do not give this man more publicity than he needs. He is walking clickbait, and he is looking for you to bite on the bait. He is basically the equivalent of 50 Cent back in the early 2000s when he was dissing everybody and their grandmama, and they would always have a diss track ready for him in in case they need to respond to him. Don't feed into that. If you don't feed into it, then then he's not going to have anything to to feast upon. That's all I want to say, man. But what do you guys think? Am I taking this too far? Should he have uh, uh, thanked uh, Donald Trump for his efforts? Give me your thoughts, please. 
Am I the crazy one? Just let me know. Let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio and share your thoughts. All right, ladies and gentlemen, once again, we do have a commercial break to get to. We got some music on the side. So we're going to play some of those tunes. And then when we come back, we have Trip Talks. That's three topics in three minutes. Keep locked. This is Cool Radio. We'll be right back. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes, y'all. Welcome back to the show. Once again, it is your man, DM Cool. And this is Cool Radio. Now, we are about to get into Trip Talks. So you already know what that means. That's three topics in three minutes. So, pardon me. With that being said, uh, here we go. So first up, we've got on the list, man. We got to talk about CNN correspondent Angela Rye. Now, she's been making headlines lately, but for the wrong reasons. So pretty much she's in the news right now because she has received death threats um, ever since her relationship with Common, the rapper, went public. Now, it's a lot of racially tinged death threats, especially. I'm not going to read them all out because they're just super disrespectful, basically. But generally it's all a bunch of hate mail and it seems as though this hate mail has been coming in ever since she made that relationship public and normally i would expect the hate mail to be something along the lines of what her political views are like as far as race relations within america social equality economics etc etc anything that's benefiting the people who are on the lower ground and who want to rise up and i would expect the hate mail to come from you know racist conservatives who don't want any part of her so that I can understand, but at the same time, when I see that she's been getting these death threats ever since she started dating Common, it's probably just a bunch of just racists in general. So a bunch of hillbilly rednecks saying, oh, look at you dating dating this rapper Negro guy. Like, that's pretty much what, that's a, that's a vibe that I'm getting from it, basically. Because they, they see Common and they see rapper, and then the moment they see the word rapper, they think of all the negative stereotypes that come with a rapper pants sagging, talking about selling dope, killing people, being hyper-masculine, hypersexual, or whatever the case may be. And that's not necessarily the case with Common. That's Actually, that's not the case with them at all. Not even necessarily, not at all. Like, Common is one of the few, like, antithesis of a stereotyp- stere- stereotypical rapper in terms of image and content. Common kind of fits the profile of your more prototypical poet, basically. And Common is a renaissance man. He's a rapper, he's an actor, he's an activist, and a philanthropist. So it makes sense for him and Angela Wright to be, you know, in unison with one another, which I, which I love and adore. Um, beyond that, though, I feel like the people who are sending these death threats, first of all, they're creeps, they're idiots. And hopefully, you know, they get reprimanded for whatever they do, because at the end of the day, you can't just send out death threats to people. These are people's lives we're talking about. We don't know for a fact if her family was worried. I'm sure they were. So, you know, just the fact that they had their family worried because of some opinions that you don't agree with, that's stupid. I should give you wankster of the week for that or just wankster for life if that's the case. But nonetheless, I feel like it's just the fact that she's dating a rapper that people are sending these hate mail messages to her and that, you know, her being, you know, a a, a correspondent for a well-respected news uh, news company her finagling with, you know, somebody who who allegedly talks about drug dealing and what have you is a bad look for her, and she's a bad representation of what CNN means and what have you. So if I were her, I wouldn't sweat it. I'm sure she isn't, and she doesn't need my advice. She seems to be going along just fine, and I'm sure this isn't the first time where she's dealt with, you know, certain levels of scrutiny, maybe maybe not to this extent, but I don't know. Um, I've never been in her inbox before, so who am I to know? But nonetheless, 
these are the types of things that, you know, help, you know, build someone's character in a sense, like in terms of how they live up to pressure and how they address, you know, um, tribulations and what have you. And I'm sure and from the looks of it, at least it looks like she's handling it just fine behind the cameras. I don't know. But I if, if not, then I hope and pray that. She does have the will and strength to kind of get over this or get through this, rather. Um, and I'm sure Common and, and all of her loved ones are helping her through the rest of the way. But what do you guys think about this incident? Uh, let me know in your thoughts. Hit me up at cool underscore radio or DM underscore cool. Now, let's talk about Post Malone. Now, Post Malone is somebody that I'm not really that familiar with. Like, I've heard of him, but I've never listened to any of his records. The only song... Or album, I'm not sure if it's an album. It's either that or a song that I know from him is White Iverson. So obviously that lets you know he's a white guy that raps. So nonetheless, uh, he was in the news because he made some questionable comments about hip-hop music that rubbed people the wrong way. So this is what he said um, in an interview. <laughs> he said this in an interview overseas in Poland, apparently. And this is what he said about hip-hop music. And I quote, If you're looking to cry, if you're looking to think about life... Don't listen to uh, hip-hop. And he added on by saying, and quotes, there's great hip-hop songs where they talk about life and they really spit that real shit. But right now, you know, there's not a lot of people out talking about shit. Whenever I want to cry, whenever I want to sit down and have a nice cry, I'll listen to some like Bob Dylan. So he caught a lot of flack for this, and he is somebody who's already faced a lot of, you know, scrutiny about cultural appropriation or if he's a culture vulture or he's just in it for the money and what have you just being a white guy trying to profit off of rap music he's already faced that criticism before but now that he made a statement like this it's already increased tenfold so after all the backlash that he received for that comment this is what he said end quote apparently there's a lot of people saying that i don't appreciate hip-hop or that hip-hop has ever made me feel anything and i'm referencing this interview that i did in poland while i was on the european tour it was a beer tasting interview so they put a lot of beer in my face and asked me what kind of beer tastes good to me so you know knowing me i drank it and apparently i said that whenever you want to feel something don't listen to hip-hop and it's funny because who the fuck am i to tell you don't listen to this and whenever you want to feel something don't listen to this or who am I to tell you that you should feel a certain way when listening to something? And then he finally went on to say, just to bring everything to a close and just to add context, a lot of people saying that I don't appreciate hip-hop or I'm taking advantage of hip-hop. My last hip-hop interview, or album rather, was fucking hip-hop. My next album is effing hip-hop. I love hip-hop. I make hip-hop. I want to take the genre and stretch it so far that people who may not listen to it, listen to it and want to know and want to listen to the new artists and whatever's going on. So, here's the thing. After reading that quote for like the third time now, here's what here's my thing on this. I think, and I, I don't know this guy. I don't know his music. I don't know what he sounds like, so it's hard for me to really judge. But based on this quote alone, I think he does have a genuine interest in hip-hop at the very least. Doesn't sound like he's a culture vulture. I don't think he is. My only critique of what he said was uh, when he was he said he was in Poland and he was on the show doing beer tasting and what have you. So it almost made it sound like he was blaming this solely on the alcohol. That's what it looks like just from reading it. And I think that's why he put out that final statement, uh, because it just kind of looked like he was looking for a cop out, basically saying, oh, well, I was under the influence of, of, of alcohol. So really, you know, like it doesn't really count. 
And I feel like a lot of people use that as a crutch when they've done something wrong. Like, that's, like, the number one thing to go to, blame it on the alcohol. Jamie Foxx made a song about, about it, right? So that was his mistake the first time around, and which is why I think he tried to clean it up the second time around with the statement that he made uh, in this, in with the final statement that he made in what it, it could have been, like, an Instagram post or whatever the case may be. But I find that a lot of these rappers today – have a very difficult time articulating their actual thoughts. So for him, he's saying, if you want to laugh, if you want to cry, don't listen to hip-hop. But what he should be saying is, if you want to cry, if you want to be in a certain mental state where you want to like reflect upon things, then I think he should have said that you shouldn't listen to certain hip-hop. Because you can still do all those things and listen to hip-hop. Like If you want self-reflection music, Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, Big Crit, Logic... You name it. But if you're going to be listening to Lil Yachty, Rich Homie Kwan, Triple uh, X Tentacion, whomever, you're probably not going to get that type of music that puts you into that subconscious mind state where you're reflecting on certain things within your life. So I think he should have articulated it in that manner. And that's a problem with a lot of these guys. They don't know how to articulate their actual thoughts, which is why they really, they really desperately need a PR person to articulate these thoughts for them so that they don't get into this kind of hot water. And I think that's where he messed up. Um, and like you said in his final statement, he says he loves hip hop. So I'll take him over. I'll take him for his word because I haven't listened to his music before. So I don't know what to make of that. Uh, but I do think it was a bit of a cop out when he, when he, when he uh, mentioned the whole alcohol interview and what have you like, that's come on. You can't, you can't say that. Now, if you want to say you you listen to Bob Dylan for that self-reflective music, that's cool. That's fine. It's music is relative. Hip hop is very inclusive as well. Like we don't just listen to traditional hip hop music. A lot of artists, a lot of producers get their influences from outside genres to create something a bit more worldly so that people will catch on to it, which is a smart thing to do. Dr. Dre did that with the chronic back in the day. Uh, Kanye West has been doing that for the majority of his career. Pharrell has been doing that in and outside of hip-hop. He's a hip-hop producer, but then he makes his own music with the NERD band and collaborates heavily with uh, Daft Punk. So you can be you know, a creator of hip-hop and be a lover of hip-hop and do it big for the culture, but then still have interest in other music as well outside of the culture. There's nothing wrong with that. Just don't demean hip-hop. Don't disrespect it in any flagrant way. And I don't think he was trying to. I just think he worded his statement poorly. That's the knock I would give on him. So normally, upon first glance on the uh, on the headline, you would think it's Wankster of the Week material, but I'm willing to give him a pass because he just didn't articulate his statement properly. So that's my take on it. But what do you guys think? Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio and let me know your thoughts. And then the final topic we have on Trip Talk, man. I got to get into uh, Russell Simmons. So Hustle Russell, Uncle Russ, Mr. Rushman himself, founder of Def Jam, co-founder of Def Jam. Shout out to Rick Rubin. Um, he got into hot water this week because he is the latest celebrity over the age of 50 to have allegations made about him in regards to sexual misconduct. <clears throat> so this is obviously alarming because it's Uncle Russ. You know, we, we grew up with him. Like Def Jam Records is probably the most important record label in hip hop history because it was the first independent hip hop record label. It was the actual. It's just the very first hip hop record label in general. And so many great acts have spawned from it, from LL Cool J and the Beastie Boys to Jay Z 
to, to Big Crit was the latest artist I was on that label. Logic is currently there right now. Dave East, you get the point. Um, basically, he was accused by a woman uh, that he was being sexually aggressive with her uh, back in, a, in an incident that took place back in 1991 in a hotel room. Now, uh, the name of the person who is filing these claims is a woman by the name of Kerry uh, Kaligi. And basically accused him of sexual misconduct back in 1991. Now, she put out uh, a quote basically saying that he has apologized uh, for, his, for his misconduct uh, when they allegedly met up and decided to discuss the, these charges and allegations. So basically, uh, she said in an interview with NBC's Megyn Kelly uh, that he has apologized. I'm trying to look for the quote right now, so bear with me for a second. Um, actually, no, the quotes are on here, but just in the, a small portion of the interview, uh, she says, and I quote, and he actually apologized. So Russ went on the defense and basically said in a, in a long-winded um, statement that he put out through social media, he basically said that no meeting took place between her and himself and that he feels terrible about whatever embarrassment that has come upon her and that whatever sexual encounter they had back in 1991 it was consensual on both sides so that is what he is alleging so obviously you know one side is lying and one side is telling the truth and we don't know which side it is i'm not about i'm not going to be here to dispute that it's russell that's telling the truth or that it's uh, Karen, that's or Carrie rather, that's telling the truth because I don't know. We don't know because there are two separate statements are coming out right now. She's basically saying on one end that sexual mis sexual se sexual part of me sexual misconduct has taken place had taken place, but then they met up to discuss it and then they apologize. And then the other end is saying that no such thing took place back in 1991 and whatever interaction they had was was completely consensual and that was it. So we already know the old saying and how it goes. There's three sides to every story. Your side, your side, and the truth. We've heard from both sides, but we don't know what the truth is. And the only way the truth will come out is if one of them decides to be openly honest about what happened in that hotel room in 1991. This is the first that many people are hearing about this, including myself. Um, it's not surprising that you know, Russ would be caught in somewhat of a scandal like this. Not to say that this person's wrong, I just don't know. But him being an entertainer, well, not an entertainer, but him being in the business of entertainment, him managing entertainers past and present, um, it's not surprising that he'd be in the situation, especially when you're in the basically, when you're basically in the firestorm of so many other artists who have, or not artists, but yeah, sure, artists, you know, actors and, and directors and what have you, who have been caught in the firestorm of allegations, most of them being true, a lot of them have come, in, have come out and said that they did, in fact, do the things that these women were alleging. We, are, we already heard about Louis C.K., we heard about Kevin Spacey, we've heard about John Travolta, we, George Takai, we've heard about so many people who, are, who have been caught in these scandals right now. And so the fact that we have somebody like Russell Simmons caught in the scandal, somebody who... Uh, has a family now, you know, or yeah, former wife, two children and what have you, his philanthropic um, endeavors and what have you. You hear about all that, and then you hear about these allegations. You're like, oh, man, not Russ. Because a lot of people had that re reaction when it came to Bill Cosby. 
And we don't know how many of those actual charges were, were legitimate, but it's more than enough to say, hey, he may have actually done something back in those days, basically. Um, so a lot of people will try and separate, you know, the man from the artist, basically, which is what you sh should do in most situations. Because you can't just say, for example, with Bill Cosby, and, and no way am I defending it because I think some of those allegations are true. Um, but you can't say that the Cosby show was a terrible show because of these allegations that you're hearing now. Because had it not, for these, had it not been for these allegations, would you still have that opinion on the Cosby show? It's like dating somebody who is now your ex. Um, you want to say that that person looks ugly or they're whack or anything of that sort, because based on you know how that how you guys broke up with one another. Because if the broke breakup was mutual, instead of it being ugly, would you still have those same opinions about that person? Or if you guys are still dating, would you still have those opinions about that person? Right? It's all relative at the end of the day. Um, overall, going back to Russell, I hope these allegations are false. I just hope. I don't know if they are, but I hope they are because it would be a bad look on the hip hop community. And obviously um, it would just be a bad look on, on the women who are, who have actually been assaulted by men in the past or by other women in the past as well, in terms of sexual misconduct. And it makes them look bad because you have somebody uh, crying out wolf over something that isn't factual. And that's the last thing that you want to have happen. So I really hope that these allegations are categorically false. And I hope that Russ is able to get through this. I hope that the woman is able to get through this as well. I hope that she, I, I, I don't, uh, I hope she's lying. I really hope she's lying. I'm sorry. It sounds bad for me to say that. I hope she is because at the end of the day, you know, no woman wants to go through that. No woman wants to go through that at all. And I don't understand why there are women out there who would be lying about that. And however, however, if she isn't lying about it and if she did in fact go through this, then my heart goes out to her as well because, like I like I just said, no woman deserves to be going through that as well. But at the end of the day, like I said before, three sides to every story. This side, this side, and the truth. What do you guys think? Hit me up on Twitter at DM underscore cool or cool underscore radio to share your thoughts. And now, ladies and gentlemen, normally I would put a commercial break in this little segment right here. But we're going to go straight into the final segment, which is entitled Wankster of the Week. So let's get into it right now. Wankster of the week, man. It's been a while since somebody has gone back to back on the Wankster segment. But in this scenario, we have the exception. And this goes out to the boy, Triple X Tentacion. That sounds like one hell of a drug. Like, if you were to go out on the street and you ask somebody, yo, you, you got that Triple X Tentacion? Like, that sounds like a sexy drug. Like, you know how, like, cocaine was, like, a classy drug in, like, the mid-70s or whatever? That sounds like it could be, like, the new name for, like, Triple X Tentacion. Like, that could be, like, the name of a new drug that becomes, like, super, like, debonair or whatever, right? But anyways, I'm just spitballing right now. Don't mind me. I'm being haunted. Um, he's getting the wanks of the week because he is now stating that he wants to refer to his fans as his cult. Now, I read the headline, and I'm like, you know what? There is such thing as a cult following, when you are a fan of something and there are certain people who are fans of a particular thing and they kind of like mobilize around it. But knowing this person in particular, because it involves Triple X Tentacion, to say that he wants to call his fans his, his cult is very destructive 
because of the behavior that this guy exudes. He's very violent. He has a penchant for violence, and he has a penchant for drug abuse as well. And those are some of the things that you would find within a cult. I mean, it's funny we're talking about this right now because you have somebody like Charles Manson, one of the most infamous cult leaders of all time, has recently just passed away at the age of 83. And he led an aberration of cults, if you could call it that. Now, for Triple X Tentacion, somebody who's already been charged for uh, uh, physically assaulting his pregnant girlfriend and also just recently getting into a fight with either one of the members of the Migos or their entourage because he was trying to chase down um, their his uh, he was trying to chase down Cardi B. Is this the mentality that you want to have on your fans? Are you ready to be that guy to say, hey, I want to lead you guys to the promised land and I'm going to be the guy to do it. Never mind my transgressions. I'm going to be your leader because I'm that stable enough to do it. Is that really the guy you want to put your faith in? I don't think it is. I don't think anyone should have that, have the faith in somebody as unstable as him because this is, he's a wreck. He is a wreck. Dude's out here shaving his eyebrows. His head, his head tops look like fruit loops. He looks like a mess. He he looks like an he looks like a thumb with no eyebrows. He looks like a thumb, basically. <laughs> Anyways, this guy's getting the wanks of the week, second week in a row. A lot of people were on their P's and Q's this week, but he's definitely getting the wankster for sure. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Does he deserve the wankster? Of course he does. And that is that. No more. <laughs> now, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. I know it's, it was a bit of a flatter episode this week. We've had some technical difficulties with the mixing board a little bit as far as getting the drops in and what have you, so I do apologize for that. I will assure you that I will get that uh, revved up and ready to go for next week. We may or may not have a guest next week, but I will keep you guys filled in on that, and I'll keep you guys filled in with any other news that we have coming up that involves Cool Radio because you guys are the audience, and I appreciate you guys listening in on a regular basis. So once again, it is your man, DM Cool, and Cool Radio is a division of Cool Click Media and Entertainment, reminding you each and every day that we are here creating our own legacies. Keep it gravy and wavy. We are out of here. Peace. Cool.